Okay, Bill, are we ready? Sure, Paul. Oh, wait. Be right back. I need my Avengers omnibus. Uh, where did I put that thing? While Bill looks for that, let me tell you about our new endeavor. Two True Freaks has grown, and Back to the Bins is growing with it. I, Paul Spataro, along with Bill Robinson and Scott Gardner... Just say his name three times in an email and he'll appear in your show. Hey, how's it going? Ah, sorry, sorry. I forgot I had a Scott Gardner life model decoy in here. Be right there. Ow! Ow, who put Cap's shield there? <laughs> anyway, we're looking to showcase various characters, storylines, issues, or whatever strikes our fancy from the world of the Avengers. Hey, Ben, move that funny-looking hammer, would you? It's, it's on that book, and I can't move it. Dad, where do you want it? Uh, over there somewhere. No! no! Watch out for the repulsor! No! Oh! Ah! Ah! Don't tell your mother. We like to call it Avengers Spotlight. I thought it was going to be called Old Avengers Never Die, They Just Get Reassembled and Sent to Another Earth. What? Too wordy? Who knows what we'll cover, and who might stop by? So join us for the Avengers Spotlight, where we'll look at Earth's greatest heroes and some of comics' greatest stories, such as the Korvac Saga, Acts of Vengeance, the Kree-Skrull War, and, oh, for the love of Christ, who the hell put the Celestial Madonna Saga on this list? Huh. I found a use for that life model decoy after all. Okay, found it. We ready? Hey, wait a minute. This is the Book of the Vashanti. Forget it. See you soon, everybody. My favorite Avengers are D-Man and Green Lantern. Say goodnight, Scott. Goodnight, Scott. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Dead. Hello and welcome to Walking Dead Wednesday number 18. I'm Chris Honeywell and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Dr. William Robinson. <laughs> wow. What was that? Was that Mr. Ed? <laughs> that was that was the dead Mr. Ed. <laughs> Mr. Dead. Mr. Dead. <laughs> and and once again, it's been a few months, but calling in from work, adding up the bonus points, Dr. Sean Engel. I, I am, I'm so going to get in trouble one of these days. It is not going to be funny. <laughs> now, do you have, do you, do you have your issues of Walking Dead laid out at, at work? Uh, no, I usually, if I'm coming to work, I try and avoid bringing comics up here because there's right. a lot of, there's a lot of chemicals and I'm having to wear gloves and stuff and I'm... Some formaldehyde I'm, stains on your walking dead I, might add I am, to the... I don't know if, I don't know if that would, you know, improve their, uh, CGC or CBC rating or whatever you call it. CBG rating. CDC center disease yeah, control. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, that would definitely. If they had that, and you could get some bodily fluids on it, you could definitely. Oh, uh, trust sell me, we've got to okay with a Jesus Christ the rating of nine point nine. Jesus Christ, there's anthrax on this. Oh my God, it's a ten. 
done well, I can't really say. <laughs> because, yeah, again, job security. <laughs> anyway, this is uh, last episode. We uh, did an episode, a, uh, episode, an issue of the comic. And uh, the next two episodes, we're going to be playing a little catch-up with the TV show. So um, this month, we're up to Walking Dead AMC show episode two of season one. So we're at the very, very beginning. Yeah, we're not going to be catching up too fast. <laughs> no, we're not going to be catching up at a faster rate. But we'll be. I'm hoping that with this plan, by the time season four ends, starts up, the comics are almost synced up, sort of, to four. We might be able to have everything sort of in the same area. That's depending on how much the TV show cleaves to the comics, you know. Yeah, Which, that's, uh, that's kind of been an issue of contention, how yeah how much the, the show goes along or parallels the comics. Because oftentimes they throw a lot of things in there that happen in the comic, but it's in different order or happens different to different people. people. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. so... And so, you know, but they are sort of following in broad strokes mm-hmm. the general locales and ideas of the, the comic in general. And uh, so hopefully at this rate, we might not be caught up with the TV shows by season four, but we might be getting there because especially season one, this is a, fir- this is a short season. It's what, six episodes? Yeah, just six yeah. episodes. So, so we'll, uh, by the time... Well, we're recording two episodes tonight. We'll be we'll be halfway through the first season at the end of tonight and by the end of next month. So, woohoo! <laughs> All right. So this this episode is number two, and it was called Guts. And uh, we start off with a scene of uh, Shane and Lori playing hide the nightstick in the forest next to Rick's cast aside wedding uh, ring sweet romantic and uh then after the credits we cut to rick who's still holed up in in the tank and things are looking pretty bleak and uh glenn talking to him over the radio sort of navigates rick to an alley where they escape up a ladder to a roof and uh glenn takes the opportunity to call rick dumbass about every five seconds so they make their way back to glenn's crew uh t-dog andrea redneck merle and a couple other kilmies. And uh, Merle is making a lot of noise on the roof, picking off walkers. <clears throat> when uh, T-Dog questions this, it becomes a, kind of a racial incident when, with uh, Merle slinging out the N-word and beating, basically beating T-Dog down and declaring himself king. Which, uh, also in the course of this, he lands a punch to Rick's uh, jaw. So, um... Basically, Rick gives him a little taste of rifle butt and uh, handcuffs him to a pipe. With all the hoopla from Rick's rescue and Merle, the building is pretty much surrounded by the dead. And uh, Rick hatches a plan. Cover him and Glenn with uh, stinky guts as a sort of post-apocalypse cloaking device. And then get to a truck lot, grab a truck and escape. And it's all going really well, but then it begins to rain and the gig's up. So they barely make it to a truck, and uh, also Glenn steals a muscle car and uses its car alarm system to draw away the dead as 
Rick grabs the uh, crew minus Merle, who T-Dog has left on the roof after accidentally dropping the handcuff keys down a storm drain. And uh, so they speed out of Atlanta back to the camp with uh, a happy, happy Glenn getting the highway all to himself in his brand new red sports car. All in all, a pretty entertaining episode. I kept thinking now in retrospect, watching this episode, wow, it was right in, in episode two that they started doing things just a little, you know, you started getting the, a clue that things were going to be a little different in the TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but not only that, but they were they also weren't going to shy away from controversy. They they no they had the uh, they had the violence and you know them hacking up the zombie and uh, using its guts to sort of uh, you know hey, cover, hey, the, hey. cover the sand. That so was Wayne. That was Wayne before. Dunlap. Wayne Dunlap. Thank you, organ donor. <laughs> we're going to find his family and thank them. That that was a. <laughs> That was a wonderful. That was probably one of the best, you know, sort of subtle gags in that in that show. The yeah, fact that or, Glenn donor. says he was an organ donor, which makes it perfectly fine for them to cut him up and spread all of his intestinal juices all over them. That was dig a- in, dig in, everybody. <laughs> oh, this is great because this is the introduction of you know we got introduced to him briefly at the end of last episode. But uh, Glenn comes out swinging in this episode. Mm-hmm. I forgot what yeah. a great character he was. As a matter of fact, he's large and in charge of the whole operation. He's he's ordering Rick around. You know, mm-hmm. right from the he's basically calling Rick dumbass right from the very start. Oh, that, that that was a great um, right after the credits with the opening shot way way above the city street, and then the just coming down down and you see all the bo- all, all the zombies that are next to the tank that are that are chewing on the corpse of the horse over there yeah yeah you it, could see the whole dynamic of it it's oh, like man. an anthill yeah. well i think that's also a lot of credit to frank darabont still you know he's still got that cinematic eye kind of directing what's going on in the show so you've still got that that sort of epic film feel mm-hmm. for the for these first episodes so uh yeah, characterization is great. Uh, the the look of it's still great. It's following the book really well, with a bit of offshoots with different characters coming in. And you know, instead of it just being Glenn who brings Rick out of the city, it's uh, Glenn and the rest of uh, or some of the rest of the characters from the camp. Mm-hmm. So it's not that it hasn't diverged quite as much as it did in like season two, but it's all in all, it's just really following the book really well and just running on it's it's hitting on well, all cylinders yeah and and i mean right in the second episode boom there there is a fully realized dale and glenn mm-hmm. you know that are, they, i mean right off the pages of the comic yes they were they were i don't know how they got those characters i know uh the guy who plays dale is like a uh his, he's his a character so stable yeah and he's, he's a staple for the <laughs> darabont movies yeah, so, he was in the mist, and he's been in some of the other Stephen he was, King. He was, um, yeah, he was in the Green Mile too, I guess. On uh, Storm of the Century. Ah, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, but he yeah, was he's, like he was perfect in the role of Dale, and you know, uh, I from from the get go, I thought he was, you know, even better than Rick and Laurie and Shane. He was the one who personified the character from the book, uh, yes. you know, almost perfectly. Oh, the first shot of him standing up on top of the camper mm-hmm. is fantastic. 
Yeah, him in the hat. The, the hat, the, the floppy outfit, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean... The, the sort of scraggly beard. He just... It, it was... It was perfect. It's one of those things, you know, a lot of times when you have a character like that that you're really familiar with and that you really like and you see them portrayed, even if they look alike, sometimes they open their mouths and what comes out doesn't sound right. Even his voice sounds like I would imagine Dale's voice sounding like. It was, yeah, perfect, flawless casting. Now on the other other end... Um, now that I'm noticing, now that I'm, you know, we're up through season three and, uh, Andrea's figured in through the series and she's introduced here, I'm starting to see that this Andrea is the different Andrea that ends up in the show than is in the comics. You know, she's a radically different character and you can see that sort of subtly in this in this I probably didn't notice it the first time I watched this you know mm-hmm. yeah I have to agree uh, you know the development the development of her character throughout the course of the show has been very different from what we see in the comic initially when you see her start out she is sort of that you know fragile character who's uh, missing her sister who's very connected to her sister but as the show goes along, her character, unfortunately, you know, takes a turn into hysterics almost, and yeah. and just do it doing that um, horror movie staple that I always find kind of the no no of like always doing the wrong thing, <laughs> always mm-hmm. you know always doing the thing that like makes the least amount of sense that you know and taking the wrong side. Whereas in the comic, she was very level-headed. She was the one who was sort of keeping Dale um, stable. You know, he was mm-hmm. still smarting over the death of his wife. And and since she was so much younger than him, he was, you know, kind of, you know, thinking that maybe she'd catch an eye on one of the younger guys and stuff. And she would just be like, you know, come on, I'm with you, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But in this one, she's already checking out Rick. She was like, hmm, new guy's kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, and then and then later she'll be with uh, Shane. With keeping, Shane, yeah. Keeping so, him from <laughs> losing it. Yeah, and so, so yeah, and, and, and other, and her choices get progressively worse, actually, as the series go on of who, oh, yes. who she's a Yeah, yeah they kind of do. And, but uh, we'll get to that eventually. Yeah. I want to talk about some of the characters that, uh, that weren't in the comic and we get the introduction to probably the character everyone thought would probably turn into a major villain in the show but you know really didn't uh, Merle Merle who is a character who is just so awful that you know it's it's surprising that they let him get away with some of the some of the dialogue and some of the actions that he took I mean I love yeah. that I love that they you know, played him as a realistic. He's a biker, redneck, racist. Mm-hmm. You know, meth tootin' son of a bitch. <laughs> and I've seen people like that who have that. But he's a charismatic too. You know, probably amongst his crew, he was a top dog all the time. You know, he was the funniest, and all that. Well, and he's big and doesn't mind fighting. So. Well, one thing that was weird to see is when he does his, you know, Merle's in charge speech. 
And then if you think back, you know, what we'll see at the end of season two, where after the fall of the farm, where Rick basically gives the, you know, I'm in charge speech. And it just made, made me think of Merle. Uh, yeah, I mean, he got a lot that of that from Merle. Merle's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he kind of became, you know, in that instance, he, he was Merle. He's like, you know, it's not a democracy. You know, when I say go, is you want to go, go I'm well, the top dog. You're starting to see that, that theme that's going to run sort of throughout this and the comics of, you know, the the people who end up living the longest and their 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 motivations for doing what they do mm-hmm. everybody's got to do awful things but you've got your merles who are getting off on doing awful things yeah cuz he's been doing awful things all his his whole life and now there's nothing to keep right. him in check right and and there's people like rick who are just you know they're just going to do what they have to no matter how, you know, awful it is. And then the, then you've got Shane, who's, who's you're starting to see, especially in this and the next, and then for these two episodes, you're starting to see Shane sort of has a little bit of a hero complex. Oh, yeah. Shane, Shane was the top dog. And then, yeah. Well, I mean, because. And well, he was in, and he was into being top dog. Yeah, and, yeah. But he's, Shane will he's, do a lot of the same things that Rick will do, but his motivations are slightly different. You know, they're they're a little mm-hmm. more selfish in well, but in a but way. not well. Uh, they'll seem more selfish with the next episode, but uh, you know because right, Shane Shane thought Rick was dead for all intents and purposes. That you know we'll see that flashback later on. I don't know if it's in this season or in the second season when they show that but you know he's you got to kind of feel sorry yeah at least yeah, yeah. you know i mean i don't i don't feel as shane was you know he was put in a bad spot you know he's trying to care for his 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 friend's uh wife and, and kid and then you know but I, well i think i think but that's that's in the next episode yeah and i think if you could hear shane's internal monologue at this point especially when he's when he's flipping Laurie around in the forest <laughs> having his merry way with her he's probably thinking to himself yeah things have gone to shit but well, I got me a piece of but <laughs> things are going finally going Shane's way <laughs> yeah you know it's Millhouse's time to shine <laughs> it's Millhouse's well, time well and also harkening her- back to the uh, first episode there was kind of that even you know a way for Shane to get to Lori. I mean I don't think it was intentional that Shane left Rick in the hospital. No, and, no, like, but it's like all Bill said just we'll see that scene. I think it's later this season. I can't quite remember. But yeah that we're gonna see uh, you know the way that Shane wasn't actually trying to do this intentionally. He was trying to help Rick, but now that Rick supposedly is gone, he's going to do what he wants to do and you know get in on with Lori. Yeah. And, you know, he's got a new built-in son with uh, Carl. You know, he's got an instant family. Yeah, yeah, and he's taken right to it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, it's all, but it all just, 
it's all just going to add to the psychic brew, you know, psychological brew that's going on where it's like, you know, that's that, that's sort of the modern drama formula now is yeah, you don't really, you, you, you have bad guys and good guys sort of, but you can still identify with the bad guys, you know, they don't, they, they don't have to be completely of evil motivation. They just sort of slowly drift that way, you know, by circumstance and bad decisions. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, I'm getting ahead of our, us now because yeah. at this point, Sh- Shane is Shane's just a generally great character, except for I, the fact that he's Scroggin, his best friend's wife. But to the sounds of cicadas in the <laughs> forest, God, I hate that noise. <laughs> just, it just, oh, it makes me feel just hot, hot, just heat, oppressive heat, <laughs> sweat. I couldn't stand that. I'm like going, oh god, I hate that. I had to turn a fan on, just, just, just watching it. <laughs> See, the yeah, thing I hate about nice cicadas stuff. is the damn shells of their bodies that they leave behind. That friggin' grosses me out. Oh, are you kidding? It's like having real life alien H.R. Giger stuff in your backyard. <laughs> exactly, I and that's that. exactly what I don't want to be. You know, finding around on my friggin' you know, patio furniture and crap. Get that the hell out of there. I'm okay with it on my patio furniture. I just don't want to wake up with it attached to my cheek or something, you know. That's... Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I... I was thinking of a, of, a, uh, of a Star Wars reference during this episode. And I thought they smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> At least they didn't have to crawl into a corpse. <laughs> oh. Well, this so is an, it... another example of something that is I find funny about zombie movies. It reminds me of um, Night of Living Dead, where one of their most effective tools in dealing with zombies were torches. Because mm-hmm. torches made zombies recoil like Frankenstein with one arm up in front of their eyes. So... In this one, they've pretty much figured a way to have complete safe passage around zombies. Granted, it's a gross way. Yeah. But there's never going to be a shortage of fucking guts to hang, you know, hang around your neck. Ode to dead. So (laughs) I don't think it's till late in season three till anybody ever uses that method again. And it's actually a yeah. character that wasn't there at that point who had figured it out for themselves to do it. But you would think everybody would be... Once people got wise to that in zombie world, everybody would just get used you know, get used to the smell. The you can, yeah, yeah you're, gonna, you're dealing with the stench anyway. You might as well get used to it enough that you could just... In that way, what's stopping you, you know? Well, and then again, spoiling ahead uh, a bit further to, like you said, to season three, we've got another, the other method that Michonne was using, which is also right out of the comic. So, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yes. they, they were able to do that as well. But you know, that's also just sort of a variation on that, in that she's got the corpses, you know, it's walking. A smarter variation on it, yeah. And uh, yeah. 
I just and, wonder why it doesn't get used more, you know? And then now we have a Michonne and the boys. I thank you, boys. <laughs> <laughs> but all but, in all, I thought it was um, it was a good entry from the cinematic beginning that was sort of like jumped right out of the comic into here's what the TV show's going to be like. You know, they, they had a... They had the cinematic part of it, but a good part of this was a low-budget TV show where it was people talking, you know, mm-hmm. people yeah. inside figuring out what they're going to do and character moments and stuff. And as that, it worked really well. And it had a nice creepy scene with them going into the sub-basement to, oh. to find a oh, way the, out. The guy eating a rat. Yeah. Happiest zombie in the world, probably. Nice quiet down there, yeah. Lifetime supply of rats. Somebody's odds gonna bother shot. me. Odds of shot getting shot through the head are pretty slim, relatively slim. So, so did you guys want want to hear uh, "Let's Dance" play as uh, Glenn and Rick were shambling up the street? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> or uh, Thriller. Yeah, <laughs> start doing the yeah the line dance. <laughs> zombie conga line dance, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. And then, uh, and then, of course, when it start, started the rain, I was thinking, "Here comes the rain again." Uh, I, I have, <laughs> I strongly, I, I'm not a big fan of the whole zombies can smell anything idea. I'm not a big proponent of that. I just don't. It doesn't seem like it doesn't seem feasible to me, sir. The zombies are resulting. Resulting, revolting, and they stink on ice too. I, 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 I killed that joke. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Now I had another line from that that would have been perfect, but uh, <laughs> it slipped out of my head too. Whoops. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't think. I just don't see how zombies would have much of a sense of smell. To the point of where that's how they're identifying their food. Well, it's good that they're trying to answer that question. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Don't get saucy, Bernays. Um, <laughs> that's awful. Uh, well, they well they have a sense of sight still, and um, I guess it depends on how much their bodies deteriorated, whether or not they'll have those. Well, because at sight, you would think they would see other zombies down the street and head at them just because. But then they, they, you think they'd be attacking each other and then going. Well, they probably do because they just walk in circles there, and then, then it's probably the sense of smell, and then you know because they're all walking in circles around each other, and then when they get some type of outside stimuli, be it's uh, smell or sound with the car, then they head to it. Jumping towards it, yeah. Yeah. And I was surprised that one of the zombies was smart enough to pick up a rock and start smashing the window. I know. That was, yeah. Well, there was, well, but, they, like, they were jogging well, and using rocks. and. We also saw in the, in the first episode, uh, what's his name, Morgan's wife, who came up to the door. You know, she tried was the trying to try the doorknob. She was trying to open the door. So, Oh, let's you know, not forget a zombie jumps a chain link fence and climbs in the oh, yeah. chain link fence. Yeah. yeah. So... So yeah, these are smarter zombies than than what you'll and, see in some movies. And he was trying to uh, the one that was trying to climb the ladder when uh, Rick and um, uh, uh, Glenn went yeah. up at first. Yeah, that's right. 
maybe them city zombies learn maybe they're better fed you know there was like a little more food so they're a little more on their toes in the city than the country zombies <laughs> but all in all I really I really enjoyed this episode a second oh, yeah. time I liked uh I liked the fact that Rick was just sort of um it took him you know three quarters of the episode before he started getting his his um you know his groove back on in hatching oh. plans and organizing people Glenn sort of had to just sort of grab him and go come on guy you know yeah let's go officer friendly yeah well that's the thing I kept forgetting that's right Rick's been out of the loop all the rest of these guys have been living with this reality for a couple months Mm-hmm. And Rick is just Rick hasn't been at, up to this point hasn't been really sure that he wasn't the only human being in the world or having some fever dream or something. So I really liked it. I really liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all a good a good build from from the first episode to the second one. It, things are really looking like they're gonna be faithful to the book and. You know the characters are really engaging and it's all it's all doing really good so far oh yeah good sense of doom i really like the idea that the first scene was laurie and shane having sort of animalistic sex rather cicada. than cicada sex. cicada sex <laughs> once every 30 years and and uh instead of it being some you know zombie related thing it was a character moment you know but it was still really built a sense of dread the way it went from them having sex to a sort of you know pull focus onto his wedding ring and her locket you know being tossed aside mm-hmm. and you know and not only that but they're, they're having sex but they were having fun sex they were they were like they were they were having fun. They weren't. It wasn't just like desperate gropings of you know people in. It was to some extent. Well, you um, know, it's that whole, it's that extra thrill of danger, I guess, that you could be eaten at any moment too. That's true. That's true. But um, but yeah, Lori's Lori's yeah, Lori's into it with gusto. So it just it just. I don't know. It adds a nice little dark cloud over everything, <laughs> which is what we want from our Walking Dead. Oh yeah, twisted interpersonal relationships, <laughs> just like real life. It's the T-I-R except, except zombies rule. Ah, true. That's true. That's that's a good thing about being a zombie is your life is simple, unless you live in Miami and you're homeless. What? The guy that got eaten by the guy. The guy oh, that was right. on the bath salts in his face off. The smelling salts. That was his bath salts. God, I hope smelling salts don't do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be horrible. That's a that's a new horror movie. Smelling salts. You know, he's passed out. Oh my god, he, yeah, he passed out. Snap, snap. <laughs> Takes her nose right off like the penguin. <laughs>
you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our brand new website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.